Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Marjorie Arnold, who is the Mental Health Ministry Coordinator for the Diocese of Orange. Marjorie, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. And Marjorie, if you would be so kind as to open us up with a word of prayer, I think everyone would be appreciative. I will do that. Just take a moment to silence yourself, find that voice inside you that can connect with God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious and ever-living God, we know that you are always and everywhere. And we are thankful for all of your gifts. We know that there are people suffering with mental illness, and sometimes their anxieties or their depression makes it hard for them to connect with you. We just pray that you will help us to be instruments of your love and your peace, and you will help us to reach out to one another when we are suffering and to accompany others and help to be a doorway to you and to your love. And Lord, also we pray that if we are suffering, that someone will reach into us and help bring us to your door. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 And my joy in having you on is that we are able to continue to acquaint all of the parishioners that are part of the Diocese of Orange with one more very key ministry that Jesus Christ is providing through his people here in Southern California. Marjorie is involved with the mental health ministry of the Diocese of Orange, and she's coordinating under the Office of Pastoral Care an overall program. And rather than me try to explain it, Marjorie, why don't I just ask you, what is it that you are doing in order to provide Christ's help to people who are in need? Well, I am hoping to to take on uh to ask the holy spirit to inspire people to feel who've been, maybe who've been through mental illness before who've experienced it in some way and know that it is you know we can recover from it to be a voice in their parish um to be a light for others so we want to try to help people we want to increase awareness about mental illness We want to increase acceptance of it and also to increase accompaniment. So in different parishes, that's going to look different because they know what their parish needs and and what's going to be best for them. Some might have a spiritual support group. Others have a monthly gathering where they have a speaker and prayer and time for fellowship. Other parishes get together um, to pray the rosary together in a setting where people can um, talk freely about their mental illness and receive support from one another. So it's going to be different parish to parish. Okay. So to clarify then for just a little bit, if people have a direct issue, a direct problem, a direct concern about their own mental health, yours isn't the office that they would call for that kind of care 
your office is one where if a parish wants to try to organize a group to do that, they would call you for support. Is that a a fairly... That is correct. You know, that's a really good distinction. Yeah, because we want to... The Office of Pastoral Care does have a list of therapists who are vetted, and they have a lot of mental health resources. Actually, on our website, on Office of Pastoral Care, there's a lot of mental health resources. But, yes, I'm trying to get groups of Catholics to come together to make their their parish a welcoming place and a place for healing. So you're an organizer. You're trying to get people. Yeah. You're trying to get people together in order to accomplish the goal. You're not actually doing the treatment yourselves, even though you yourself, if I understand, you are a licensed psychologist yourself. I am. That is true. Okay. And I just saw a need, you know, after doing, providing testing, assessment, psychotherapy for so long, I just saw a need. Actually, I knew the need (laughs) in lots of ways, but I wanted there to be the community makes such an impact on people's mental health as well as their spirituality. So I wanted to kind of approach mental health from that angle instead of the direct treatment angle. Okay, so before we get into actually how this has ended up working in the diocese, Let's tell me a little bit about uh, what it is that got you involved with this and how it's been proceeding up until we got to COVID. How did you set this up? How have you been doing this? Okay, so I started in January of 2019 um, with a grant from a grant from the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. Oh, good. And yeah, and I just started meeting people who, because we already had some mental health ministry going. Uh, But it had kind of been on hold for a while just through some, I guess, some employee changes at the diocese. So I just tried to pick up the pieces that were still. There's definitely a lot of um, Catholics out there who are interested in mental health and had done a lot in Orange County already. And with those folks and their guidance, I just kept trying to meet people and meet people. So it's it's very much a grassroots organization. It's, It's very much people call and say, hey, I'm interested in this. And I say, great, let's meet. Let's talk about it. Let's see who do you know in your community who would also be interested. And if we have a group who wants to do this, then let's go talk to the pastor. And after we get the pastor's blessing, I train them to be a leadership group and then to to build in their parish. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. (laughs) So for the last year and a half or so, you've been trying to organize in parishes small groups of therapy-minded people. And have you yeah, had much just, success? I wouldn't even say that. I would just say I, I have been trying to gather people who care about mental health. That's it. They don't have to have any background in particular. They just have to care about it. And then then we just all work together. So uh, up until we get to COVID, how had this been progressing? Had you been making much progress in getting groups together, training sessions together? What were you doing? Yes. Well, for the probably first six months, I was just trying to get out and meet as many people as I could and, and having some training, some events, because like I said, I am a psychologist, but I had topics that I could talk on and that would gather people. And then from there, we would try to co- collect people together. Um, and then we, in September of 2019, we had six parishes come, uh, leaders from six parishes come to a training. We spent a day together and just kind of talked to them about what what the vision was for mental health ministry at the parish level and how they could facilitate that. How did that go? What what kinds of people came to that training? You know, just faithful Catholics who most of them have had some sort of personal experience with mental illness. 
Um, and some of them were just felt a calling um, to help on this issue, but all kinds of folks. So not necessarily professionals that were in the, the no, industry. Some professionals, yes, but mostly just lay persons who've had, who maybe had a, a relative go through this. Right. And um, they saw how important the community and spirituality was in the recovery of their relatives. And so they wanted to, to build that in their parish. Okay. And so you were able to go through, what kind of training did you then offer? Was it, it obviously isn't a therapy type training. What were you trying to accomplish? What I tried to accomplish was to prepare them to lead a group and and also to build a network because I knew we didn't have all the answers, but we were going to be discovering them together. And we want to be, I wanted this group to be connected to each other and we remain connected to each other. We meet monthly and help each other to figure out how to do this. I wasn't giving them, here's what you do step by step. I said, I want you to go survey your parish, find out what the needs are, find out what people would be interested in doing, find out who might want to volunteer and through the survey. I also very much wanted them to look at their charisms and look at what do they think that they, that God is, how is God using them for their community? And I told them, you know, when God is using you, you shine, you're a light. And everybody can see that light. It can see that joy in you, and you're very effective. So don't think that you have to do everything. Don't do the job that you're not called to do. Do the job that you're called to do. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, so I, it sounds like you yeah. were involved in, in really a, a ground-based, the term would be subsidiarity. You, you're, you're working at the lowest yeah. possible level for the needs of those in their own environment. You're not giving a top-down approach uh, that's already been yeah. thought up uh, three generations ago by someone at the diocesan level saying, here, do this or some variation of it, but make sure it fits this pattern. You actually were trying that to find exact- out what's going to work. That is exactly the word, subsidiarity. And, and um, I went through a training at the University of San Diego for all the people who bought the grant, and that they definitely use that term. And I think that's part of why they picked our grant, because that was the approach I wanted to use. I feel like communities know what they need. They just need people to get them to say it and to express their voice. You know, what is it that you need that usually works best? And it sounds like that's what you've been doing. So for the first year or so, you were able to get about six parishes that came Mm -hmm. together. Roughly how many people were part of that initial group? because there's just about three people at each parish who are the okay. leaders. Most of them, you say, are staying with you. Have you added more parishes to to the list so far? We have, and that's the thing that I tend to try to, sometimes I think all of us, we try to be God instead of letting God work through us. And <laughs> when COVID hit, you know, I just was like trying everything. I'm like, I got to make this work. I got to make it work, you know, and scrambling every which way. And then... But God is drawing people to this ministry, and, you know, I, I finally just, like, told myself to take a little break, and I went and visited some family and then came back, and I, and I just laughed at myself because God's building this. I'm getting calls from people um, at other parishes. You know, different people can approach it through COVID. Some people are ready to go, and other people are not really ready. They don't know what to do. Yeah, but we're all going at different paces, but that's okay. We're just trying to help each other, get educated, and and go in the best way forward for our community. So one of my biggest joys this summer was meeting with a group of folks from St. Boniface Church in Anaheim. Um, They're all Spanish speakers. Before you go into that, 
because we're going to okay. run out of time on this section. And I want to make sure we hear about what happened. Let's go ahead and take a short break. You're listening to Orange County Catholic okay. Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Marjorie Arnold, who is the Mental Health Ministry Coordinator for the Diocese of Orange. And when we come back, I want to hear more about what was going on uh, with that particular part of the program and how it has begun to manifest to fulfill the needs that people are beginning to, to say they need in this era of COVID. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will be right back. Back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Marjorie Arnold, who is the Mental Health Ministry Coordinator for the Diocese of Orange, and that's under the Office of Pastoral Care because we have a huge need under the Office of Pastoral Care for mental health help in the individual parishes. And what we were discussing was that Marjorie's job, even though she herself is a licensed clinical psychologist, her job isn't to do the treatment here at the Diocese of Orange. Her job is to organize people to create groups and parishes to support mental health ministry. Marjorie, did I say that kind of close? Yes, you did. You okay. Right on. And then you were telling me that you were able to get about six groups together originally, and then COVID came and kind of threw you for a loop, and you finally had to yeah. let go and let God, which is a great lesson to learn yeah. along the way I found myself. And oh, you then began over at, at St. Boniface, you found something happened. What happened at St. Boniface? Yeah. Well, what happened is that they got a parish nurse through Hogue Hospital. Hogue funds nurses, faith community nurses at many um, different churches throughout the county. And they had one um, at St. Boniface. And she, especially when COVID hit, she said, you know, mental health, this is what people are asking for. This is what they need help with. And so I said, hey, get a group of folks together who want to do this and let's train them up as leaders. And so we did it together so that the nurse is Lucy Dale, and she's at a few different um, par- uh, parishes and churches. They're not all Catholic. Uh, but this group was at St. Boniface, and we just met on a series of Wednesday nights, and we did our training that we did for the leaders back in September. We did for them. But Lucy um, and I worked on translate. She translated it, and we just kind of worked together with this group of folks, just very prayerful Catholics, and they are excited to start a spiritual support group there for folks with mental health, but also to get help people who need help to know how to get it. Now, that's got to be quite a challenge, especially the last three or four months that we've mm-hmm. all been under lockdown conditions. How has yeah. that affected what you do? Well, it has affected us. I think it was, I would say it affected each of the parish ministries quite a bit because we just all felt a little bit helpless. Um, like we knew that perhaps the problem was maybe getting worse, not better. And there wasn't, we weren't able to hold meetings. On the other hand, God is mighty. <laughs> and we just had to be creative about how we went about things, but also just to trust that we're in God's hands. Um, so we did a lot of helping each other trust. So we kind of like thought, how can we be creative? I do a m- newsletter monthly, so that was still going on. We got a website for our chapter of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers, and we did things like the diocese has a, a one-page front and back resources on mental health that's available on the um, pastoral care website. 
and it's in, in Spanish, English, and Vietnamese. And we got that um, printed and brought it over to Catholic Charities because they were putting out a lot more food bags than usual, um, and we got those in there. Um, oh, that's really good. So in, in addition, all the yeah, groceries so- are going to get a little sheet that says, oh, and by the way, if you are having issues, here's yeah. some resources for you. That's good. Yeah. Are you finding that you're having more inquiries from parishes or have the parishes kind of slowed down? Because as as I think mm-hmm. you and I would agree, this time of COVID has got to be putting a magnifying glass on any mental health issues that might be out there. I think so. I think in particular, people who have experienced trauma and the helplessness of that, a lot of that is maybe coming back to people during this time because we have been helpless and isolated. So, yeah, but we aren't necessarily, I think we were just getting started, to be honest, Rick. Like, I, we definitely did get more inquiries in some regard for help, but we also got more people, a steady stream of people still coming forward. Hey, how can I get involved with this? Well, I know that your organization, as part of trying to organize these things, you have three major goals that you're hoping to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about them. What are these goals? Yeah. So the first one is to reduce stigma in parishes. So mental health, mental illness um, has carries a stigma with it. And this might, might surprise you, but, you know, when you have a symptom of an illness, how long does it usually take you to go to the doctor for care? Stereotypically, my wife says it takes me way too long, but anyway. Yeah, right. Well, you might be surprised. I was really shocked and uh, dumbfounded when I found out that most people will have mental health symptoms when they finally go to a doctor and they say, well, and and we ask them, well, when when did you first see signs of this? They'll go back 10 or 11 years. Some some studies say 10 years, some say 11. So people are afraid of mental illness. People are afraid of being labeled with that, afraid that they have it. People don't realize that there are treatments for it and that, you know, it just carries not as much as it used to, but it's still in many communities and with many folks, it carries a a stigma of, you know, people feel like maybe there's something that they failed in some way or some, maybe if they didn't pray hard enough or, you know, this is some kind of punishment. These are all ideas that we want to dispel. Well, Dr. Arnold, let me true. let me ask the question then. <laughs> Why do you think that is so? Is it because oh. we we're we're worried about our brains? They're, they're very, you know, of every other organ we have, if something happened to it, we would grieve, but we would get along without it. You can't yeah. get along without your gra- okay. without your brain, and it affects how yeah. your personality, your personhood, who you are, and how you come across so much. Is that the primary issue going on, or is it judgment from other people? Is it fear of being called crazy or what is it do you I think, think i causes think it's that? all of those things and i think it's deeply rooted in a lot of ways and it's um we're also really curious about mental illness too because it is so it's so surprising some of the mental illnesses are very episodic and somebody will be going along highly functioning and then all of a sudden they are not and they are so completely different and and i think there's a fascination with that that gets um magnified through movies and books, Um, and maybe sometimes misrepresented. We saw one flew over the cuckoo's nest one too many times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It just continues, you know. It it really does. Not as much as maybe it was in in those days, but (laughs) Well, but there's still the the idea that somehow if you are mentally ill, then you are are separate from the rest of society, whether 
whether that's yeah. formally done as an institution, which we no longer use very often, or informally, you should be. I yeah. think that's still there, isn't it? I definitely think it is because, and it goes both ways. It's not just from the community, but also from the person who's experiencing it. Sometimes when we feel anxious or depressed or any number of things that we're battling, we don't have as much energy for socialization. And we may just feel like we can't be the kind of person that we're expected to be. And so we isolate. I know some people who have... um I guess you would say they're chemical imbalances that uh, medicine seems to help quite a bit. But when they yeah. talk about their feelings about it, they feel frustrated because they don't want to have to, to be dependent on something artificial in order to feel yeah. normal. How do you address yeah. that? Because th- there's a there's almost a defeat they feel. I mean, that's yeah. the only way I can describe it is there's almost this, this yeah. sense to which there's something that's that's not quite right with me, so my chemicals are out of whack, and I, I really would like to get back to normal. But for them, normal isn't having their chemicals artificially done. It would be as if somehow God made them without the chemical imbalance. How do you deal psychologically with, with that? Because it seems like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, a, a, a catch-22 type yeah. cycle. Yeah, Good point. I, uh, well, I found that the way to deal with it, it depends, you know, the setting I'm in. But as a mental health minister, I just say, you know, I definitely share your concerns. I also take an antidepressant medication, and I have thought that way, too. And But I would never say that about my eyeglasses, that I might feel somehow that I've done something. I just use my glasses. I don't worry about it. And if I was diabetic, I would just take my insulin, right? I wouldn't judge right. myself or or try to hold myself to a higher standard. So what I say is that's stigma. I caught myself switching from this, from being a psychologist to being a mental health ministry coordinator where I'm really focusing on stigma. I see it so much more in myself. I never knew how much I actually had because I've had, I about six months ago, I was feeling a little sluggish and I just, I thought, you know, I, maybe I better up my dose. I better talk to my psychiatrist and up my dose. And then my next thought was, no, I'll just work harder. I'll just exercise more. I'll just do all these other things that I know are good for me more. And then I stopped and I said, wait a minute, that, that's stigma. Because I would never say that about a, those other kind of medications. They just squint a little more. Maybe your eyeglasses will work better. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do that to ourselves. Right? Oh, no, my prescription's going up. You know? <laughs> no, we can laugh about it, but it, it, it there, it's a very real problem for people who really feel inadequate or yeah. or somehow less than worthy because they yeah. have an imbalance of some sort. They often, very often, can be treated by medications and then psychological um, counseling. I, I assume often an, an association of the two. When we come back, I want to talk about the other two goals, because we were talking about reducing stigma as one of the goals that your groups are doing. So that what we're finding out is that the groups you're trying to organize are both to help empower people who are in in need, so to help link them up with resources, but also to help fight these or help to accomplish these three goals. When we come back, we'll talk about goal number two and goal number three. We're talking with Marjorie Arnold And she is the Mental Health Ministry Coordinator for the Diocese of Orange. And when we come back, we will continue to explore how these are serving the needs of those who are here in the Diocese of Orange. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Marjorie Arnold. And Dr. Arnold, although I, I got you laughed at me the last time I said that. I'm not sure you do you like being called Dr. Arnold or do you just like being I called do Marjorie? Like being called, I like being called Dr. Arnold. I like being called both of them. It okay. depends on the setting. And so <laughs> I tend to go by Marjorie when I'm a mental health minister because just to, so people are, are clear that mental health ministers, we're not offering treatment. We're all in this together. And when you are in a professional setting, your professional title works. Got it. Okay, so Marjorie is the Mental Health Ministry Coordinator for the Diocese of Orange, and that's under the auspices of pastoral care for the diocese. And Marjorie has been going about the last year and a half organizing parishes, and she's only been able to get so far to a few of them, it sounds like, six or seven or eight, something like that? Yep. And they have been together now for about a year, most of the people, meeting about monthly, trying to to get together to create in their parishes resources for mental health awareness and also to a degree care, but not necessarily through these people themselves. So we were talking about goals of what you're hoping to Mm -hmm. accomplish through this ministry. And the first goal was a very important one, reducing the stigma of mental illness, both in the community and in the people who have it, because mental health issues create stigma in our society, or our society has created mental health stigma in ways that seem to be almost insidious. It just kind of goes throughout, and it's something that you were discussing about how to fight that, and that was a very important goal to have. We have two other goals that your group is trying to accomplish. What are they? They they go hand in hand. So we want to increase the likelihood that if somebody needs help, that they'll feel like they can do that. They can reach Uh, out in their parish and ask for help. Okay. So it's very hard to reveal that you have a problem because once you've revealed it, you run the risk of being labeled. And so people do not want to be labeled because it goes back, as you just said, to the stigma issue. Definitely. And, And the way they reach out is when they see that we talk about mental health at church. If we pray for it in the intentions, if the priests or deacons talk about it in the homilies, um, if they know that there's a spiritual support group for folks with mental illness in their parish, then they're going to be much more likely to, to do that. So the third goal is just that when they do reach out, that there's people who are confident and equipped to help get people to the resources they need. Okay, so that would be goal number three? The lay, yeah. min- lay ministry can provide help. So, and it's basically first aid, you know, like just helping somebody who's going through a difficult time. It's the kind of help that Christians give all the time, you know, just reaching out, compassionate listening, prayer, providing a meal if needed, or getting people to the resources. That, you know, bringing, being, as somebody said, they want to be a stretcher lowerer, you know, when <laughs> to... Capernaum, so, uh, yeah. yeah, at the house there where they, they took the tiles to apart in order to, yeah. So there was the story you were going to tell. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. So the Jesus was at Capernaum at the house preaching, and there were people who got up on top of the roof. Yeah, I, I, uh, there was somebody in the house who needed to be healed, I believe. No, that's what it was. That's right. And so they lowered the person through the roof. Because they couldn't get into him through the doors. So they, they took apart they the roof yeah. and lowered the, the stretcher down yeah. to Jesus. And that was how yeah. Jesus was able to heal him. 
And so your stretcher lowerers. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, earlier we were talking about the isolation with mental illness or the sometimes people, they just need us to reach in. We, we ask people to reach out, but sometimes people just need us to reach in. And I think we've all experienced that where you've just been despondent or even if you have to have a mental illness, you've just had a really difficult blow. Almost You're almost speechless. You can't talk about something because it, it, it just set you apart so so difficultly. But if a friend saw that and saw that difference, and reached into you, then you would be able to unburden yourself. And, and and that's what we're hoping, that we're helping people to feel like they can do. It sounds like it's a very fulfilling ministry to be able to do. Marjorie, how has this affected you? What got you involved with this, and what has it done to your mm-hmm. life? Well, those are two really big questions. First, how it's affected me is, um, as I told you before, I have suffered with major depression a lot in my life. And... Um, you know, pretty well controlled on medication, but a lot of times, but still maybe like a low level of depression, enough to where it, sometimes I just didn't feel God's love. I didn't, wasn't sure that I was worthy of God's love. And once I got into doing this ministry, you know, a friend told me she invited me to give my life 100% to God, just not 95%, give it 100%. And I feel like that was a turning point, and that's when um, I worked on the grant with Linda G. in Office of the Pastoral Care. And then once I started working in the ministry, I could, I feel God every day, almost every day. And, and that's new for me. I see God working in my life, and it's so reassuring, and it, it's definitely changed my life. God knows what we need, and he brings it to us. God knows what this ministry needs before I do. And I'm, I'll be working away, trying my hardest, pedaling under the water, you know. And and God just tells me, it's okay. I've got you. Look, here's the next thing you're going to do. Here it is. Now, for how it's then affected you, you had major depression that you had mostly under mm-hmm. control through medications. Has, and a lot of therapy, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But has yeah. has your ability to empower others and give back to others who may be suffering in similar circumstances to you or related circumstances, is there a catharsis in that as well? You know, I think there is, but it wasn't, it's not about me doing something for other people because I've been doing that my whole life. You know, I, I was a child psychologist working with the poor and marginalized. My, You know, that's what I did. And it's not about me. It's about me letting God work, me working with God. Does that make sense? Our society has a tendency to, to think, to, 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 I think, confuse a little bit our own self-understanding of what our goals are and what God's understanding of what our goals might be. And yeah. sometimes we conflate the two. And when ours are not coming into play, we assume that there's something wrong with our relationship with God. What, on the contrary, yeah. it may very well be that that is God trying yeah. to tell you, uh, get out of the way. And yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean that what you've been doing has been entirely wrong. You mentioned that you have been for, uh, when we were talking earlier, I think you mentioned for 20 years you were involved in child psychology for those who are poor and underprivileged yeah. and empowering these children. Yet, even though what you were doing was very good and very giving, it was still, mm-hmm. to a large part, what you were doing. 
It may very well been in sync with what God wanted you to do, but Mm -hmm. it was what you were doing. And what you're describing now, what's different, I pick up, is that Mm -hmm. while you also want to do this, you're wanting to do it because you feel God is calling you to do this. Mm -hmm. Did I get to something there or did I miss a mark? No, you got it. That's true. You know, people would say you're doing God's work, but I think it was like I was trying to pick what I thought God wanted me to do and and trying to be like really good at it and be a really, I guess I was seeking recognition that the world gives for being, you know, your professional aspirations. And you need your out of girls. Like, yeah, you have to have the, that that pat on the back from God to say, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And now that I'm in this, I feel like I don't, I know that I'm okay. I know that, you know, God loves every single one of us, me included. And I don't have to prove that to God through my work. But God will use me if I stay connected to him. So this ministry has helped kind of complete the circle then in your life a little bit. It's brought both bit, yeah. both sides of that together from what you've been able to do as a clinical psychologist with children who are in need to empowering other people to provide help for people that you may never even know. Yes. Yes. So you're now in lockdown under COVID. How's it going? Your ministry, that is. Um, it, it's going okay. Like, I just keep the faith that we're moving in the right direction. And I and I do that in part because of the faithful ministers that show up to my monthly meeting. Um, and also from other people who are calling in to get things going at their parish. So that's going maybe a little slower, but maybe maybe we all needed to slow down a little bit. <laughs> I think that there's going to be mental health benefits, actually, from this time period, too. People uh, forget that. that yeah, the, the, yeah, there's there's lots of problems, especially depending upon your circumstance. There are older people yeah. who are far more alone than they used to be, and then there are, yeah. are mature families that are far more acquainted with each other after four months than they feel they want to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's everyone yeah. that's in between in, in the situations they're in right now. And in some ways, it's it's forcing people to um, rethink through who they are. But as you also, I think, pointed out earlier, this is also a time for some people who, the one, the people who do have those of us who do have mental health issues. Sometimes a magnifying glass can be put on when we're under isolation conditions. Yeah, but hopefully they're reaching out for help because they're. I, I think the mental health provider community is very pleasantly surprised with how much we can do through video chat that we've all been very afraid to do things that way. But we're, many of us are finding that, wow, we really can connect to people this way. So hopefully people are reaching, are still getting help and reaching out for help. And, and I, my, all the therapists I know, they're very busy right now. So everyone so is zooming along, so to speak. It's an opportunity. Yeah, and it's an opportunity for healing. It's an opportunity to slow down and go, wow, what really matters? And I think a lot of people are taking their mental health a lot more seriously and are um, doing the things they need to do to take care of themselves more. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Marjorie Arnold. And Dr. Arnold is a licensed psychologist with more than 20 years' experience 
treating, but she is also, part of her time is spent as the mental health ministry coordinator for the Diocese of Orange. And we've been talking about her ministry in organizing, uh, on a grassroots basis, really, how parishes can help provide for the needs of people who are suffering under mental health conditions. And when we come back, I want to talk about a, a little bit more about how those of us in parishes can be empowered by this ministry. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. We will be right back. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today has been Marjorie Arnold, And Dr. Arnold is the Mental Health Ministry Coordinator for the Diocese of Orange, which falls under the Office of Pastoral Care because it's such an important part of pastoral care. And her job the last year and a half so far has been to organize, kind of on a grassroots level, groups in parishes to help empower those who have mental health needs. Your ministry is important and going to be more important as it goes along. And I want to thank you for that, but I want to thank you for taking time to to just share with with our listeners a little bit about uh, how this ministry is going and in a few minutes how they might be able to get involved with it. Thank you, Marjorie, for being on with us. Well, thank you. It's just, um, it's really something that I love to talk about. It's been a joy for me, and I like sharing it. And it's been a bit of a, an unburdening, too, and a bit of a maybe a coming full circle, like you were saying earlier. There's a story I haven't told you yet, Rick, that I wanted to share Sure. Um, that part part of the reason that I was inspired to do this is my mother has a very serious mental illness. She has bipolar disorder, and she had her first episode of her first psychotic episode when she was pregnant with me. She didn't know she had this disorder. So I'm mm-hmm. the oldest of four kids. Yeah, and she um, became very scared. Um, she became convinced that my grandmother and my father, who loved her and I very, very much were going to harm her oh, and me. Develop some kind of paranoia yeah. type symptoms. Wow. Yeah. And so, and she was living apart from her family. Her whole family was in another town far away. Um, so where did she go? She went to church. She went to the rectory, knocked on the rectory door to tell the priest Good for about her. what was going on. I need Jesus to yes. help me. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the priest, you know, he did the best he could, but honestly, he didn't, he didn't know what to do. And he didn't, my mother feels that he didn't really help her. And I will tell you, so my mom, bipolar disorder is, um, you know, it's something that a lot of people are afraid of and or fascinated by because it does change the person so much. They will be functioning so well and then they're not. And so my mom had her own business. She raised four kids. She's a very highly functioning human being. But when she wasn't well, she was not well. And our family could have used the help that that Christians are willing to give. You know, we just needed somebody to know, to tell us what was going on, that our mom was going to be, I mean, people told us, you know, your mom's in the hospital, she's going to be okay. Luckily, my family had the resources for her to get mental health care, because back then it wasn't something that you could count on yeah. um, through your health insurance at all. And, and and we're all okay. You know, we're fine. We were we made it through that. But I know what it was like as a child to be so confused. What is happening? And then to be, you know, sometimes shuttled off to relatives or neighbors and everything, you know, your whole life just like switches and you don't 
really know when it's going to change again, when yeah. it's going to go back. Yeah. And so I think that if our church had been, if we had had a ministry, it would have helped because we were pretty involved in our church. And I think it would have made things easier for my mom, for my dad, for all of us. And I know that people at that church would have been willing to, but we didn't ask for help because of stigma. So, so this really helps clarify, I think, what you're trying to accomplish. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're not trying to form groups of, of many care providers, though, you, that might grow out of this. You're trying to provide a support yeah. group for families who are experiencing this and they need people to hold them as they go through this. That's exactly right. I couldn't have said it better. And I know from being on the other side that, it, you know, you can offer the best treatment, the very best treatment, and you can help people. But if they don't have a community to support them during this time, it's just so much harder. For people who are interested in in this ministry in their parish, how would they go about contacting you or or what would you recommend they do? I recommend that they go and you can't, you're going to have to write this down. Um, so maybe if you have notes that you can give to people, like, I don't know if you connect online, but I'm going to give you the website, but I know it's not searchable under Google. It just doesn't come up. Um, it's kind of a little bit tricky to get to on the diocesan website. But well, and the good news it. is we do have this on podcast later, so they can listen to it okay, again. Good. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, it's rcbo.org. So that's the diocese's website. They get you under the diocese. Backslash resource backslash mental dash health dash the number two backslash. And that is the um, mental health resources page. And we're working on making it more searchable, but it, right now it, it isn't so searchable. You said uh, rcbo.org, and that'll get into the website. Uh-huh. And, and then um, what? Then you would look under Office of Pastoral Care, and then under Office of Pastoral Care, you're going to see mental health or behavioral health, and you click on that. Okay, so from the pull-down menus, you can just go to rcbo.org, oh. and they can go to... Pastoral care. Uh, yeah, I think it's under ministries and services. Okay. Pastoral care for families. Yep. And then under that is behavioral health. There's resources there for them to, to click on. There's a lot of resources. Yes. There's the first part is resources during COVID. And then if you go down a little bit further, there's just our usual resources that we have, including those guides that I said. We have an English, Spanish, and Vietnamese that have local resources, including low cost and no cost ones. Um, we have also there's intercessions now, you know, for people can do at their parishes, things that parishes can do, so ways your parishes can get involved. But if you scroll down even further, it says join a parish mental health ministry. Ah. And how do I get involved? And there's a, a little link you can click on to get you to our application. And once you, you know, fill out this little form, somebody will contact you and say, hey, yes, we have a, a ministry at your parish. Here's who you contact. No, we don't have one yet, but do you want to start one? Here's the process. And they and won't be alone when they do this. They will be no. empowered by people like you who are mm-hmm. able to both facilitate resources, hold their hand as they go through trying to get this together, and you'll meet with them regularly. You were saying about once a month your group gets together. For the leaders yeah. and leadership? So in the beginning, I'll just meet with them just with their parish. 
um, and get them trained. But then once they're trained up, they'll, they'll come to our leaders meeting once a month where we just share resources that, hey, what are you guys doing during COVID? Hey, this is what we're trying. And also, there's a national association of Catholic mental health ministers that's pretty new. So I want to give you that website, too. Please do. It's CatholicMHM, so mentalhealthministry.org. That's pretty simple. Um, Say it again. It's very simple. Yeah, CatholicMHM.org. Okay. And we have a chapter, so you can go to that main one, and there's lots of resources there. And, and they have um, grants right now. We have a, a, we just put out, I'm on that board for that also. Uh, there's all kinds of resources there. Th- that's designed to help parishes get themselves yep. up and running. Think, all right. Yes. And we have a page on there, too, under CatholicMHM.org, just backslash orange. Ah. And you can see we ha- um, have some videos, we have some news, we have ways to join us as well. That's fantastic. Marjorie, again, I want to thank you for taking the time to not only meet with us, but for wanting to do this. Um, having come out of a mental health situation yourself with your, your own mother, having to deal with your own stuff that you've shared on the air today with uh, depression issues, wanting to, to make that full circle coming back in order to empower your your the parishes in your own diocese is a wonderful thing to be able to do. And I hope many parishes will make that effort to go look up under the, the RCBO website, uh, the mental health material there, so that the way they can empower more people to find help, especially those who are in need of support, not just um, clinical help. We now are pretty good at being able to get people to clinical help. But families that are in need of, uh, well, pretty good maybe is the wrong term. We're better at it than we were. But we've done almost nothing with being able to help families and give that support. And this is wonderful that you're doing that. I'm so glad that you're empowering other people in order to do that. Marjorie, would you be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer? Yes, I would. Jesus, you invite us into the fullness of life. May we support one another to flourish in body, mind, and spirit. Strengthen our commitment to ensure that nobody falls through the gaps in our systems of care. People called you mad. Help us to recognize you in those who suffer mental illness today. Show us how to eliminate stigmatization of mental illness from our parishes, schools, communities, and organizations. You drew near to those who were suffering in body or mind. May we, too, feel your nearness when we struggle with mental health challenges. May we be one as members of your body. You invite us to share in your ministry of love and true compassion. May we be empowered by your spirit to reach out to all people in need. May we build communities of welcome and inclusion. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit. Well, Marjorie, again, thank you very much for your efforts and for coming in and being with us today. If you would like to hear this again or you would like to share this with somebody else, you can hear this now as a podcast, now that it's been broadcast over the air, and that would be by going to OCCatholic.com, and under OCCatholic.com, go to the radio tab, and there will come up about eight radio programs. The leadership radio program is Orange County Catholic Radio. If you click on there, the latest podcast will be up, and then you can share how people can 
both benefit from listening to Marjorie's story on this program, but also how they can become involved in starting a support group in their own parish. Once again, you're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. We've been talking to Marjorie Arnold, who is the Mental Health Ministry Coordinator for the Diocese of Orange. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we'll see you again next week.